And welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. So if you step outside this time of year, the sound of croaking frogs are everywhere. But why do they call in the night skies? Can you tell what frog you have in your backyard just by its sound? No matter if you're an expert herpetologist or you just like Kermit the Frog from the Muppets, our show today will open your eyes to the world of our lily pad friends. And Joe McGee is here to tell us about these leaping creatures. Dr. Major is ready to handle your pet questions. And we always like to hear your encounters with wildlife. Give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 If you're not near the phone but would like to participate in the show, email us. It's animals at mpbonline.org. I always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, the repeat broadcast is every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Uh, we're going to start out with uh, a little cross-promotion here. Uh, Wednesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio, it's Fix It 101. So if you ever have uh, questions about uh, home improvement projects or things falling apart in your house, that's a, a good source of information. But this past Wednesday, our director and host of that show, Jason Klein, talked about his German Shepherd puppy that was chewing on his wood furniture. Uh, during the show, some callers suggested things like hot sauce or vapor, Vicks Vapor Rub. Uh, Dr. Major, um, do those sound like effective controls? And is it even possible to control puppies in that sort of behavior? Uh, it seems like kind of natural, and, and hopefully maybe they eventually grow out of it. That's your best bet. Uh, I have seen dogs go right through the hot sauce uh, or, or whatever that you put on there. There is uh, some chew guard type stuff. Basically, most of them uh, probably depend on capsicum or one of the uh, pepper-like uh, things. Some dogs respond to that. Others don't. The good news is that most of them outgrow it. Uh, the alternatives, uh, certainly when you're not there, is to kennel the dog uh, where he can't get to it. Some of it is due to boredom. Other is the fact that, hey, puppies... Uh, usually have their permanent teeth by the time, sometime between four and five months of age. And uh, they're teething. They want something to chew on. So maybe uh, a chew toy um, would be a, at least something, I mean, it might not stop that, but at least gives them maybe something else uh, that they would chew on. And if they find that that's more fun, that that might be a par- partial solution. It could be a partial solution. And certainly uh, it is an issue. Uh, we've had dogs that... Uh, reports that they chew right through sheetrock, you know, just through the wall. Uh, a lot of it has to do with boredom, yes. And uh, we've got cases where dogs have eaten the fenders off of the riding mower, uh, torn the air conditioner uh, uh, parts that go out from the air conditioner unit into the house. So these are all things that they usually outgrow. Uh, classic example are labs. Uh, and they usually are quite good by the time they're two years old. <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> I saw a back car seat that a baby lamb had completely chewed to pieces one day. Yeah. Uh, it certainly is an effective way to get your attention and to let them uh, let uh, their owners know that uh, something is amiss there. And I guess the problem with a, a chew toy might be they would chew that up and then head right back to the wood table or right. whatever they happen to be chewing on. And be careful Be careful with the chew toys, too. You don't want something that the dog is going to uh, swallow. And uh, 
then possibly have an obstruction, and that can be both dangerous and expensive to take care of that. Uh, you know, I know my, my brother's dogs like those, uh, the things you can get where it's like a rubber toy and you can stick a little treat in there so that the dog has to kind of you know, nuzzle its way through it or dig through it to try to get to the toy, I mean, to the treat. And right. his dogs even will play with that thing, even if there's not a treat in the middle, right. although that doesn't seem very fair to me. So I don't <laughs> <Okay>. know. <laughs> Uh, our guest today is uh, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. Joe, glad to have you back on the program. If you could remind folks about a little bit about your background. Well, I most recently worked for the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, traveling around southeast Mississippi and uh, visiting schools and doing programs at other public uh, venues, talking about endangered species of that area and the whole state. Okay. Um, what is the difference between a frog and a toad? Actually, not much. <laughs> uh, you can think of it like this. All toads are frogs, but not all frogs are toads. Toads tend to be squatty. Their skin tends to be a little bit rough. I, I wish that the term wart wasn't used, <laughs> but they're said to have warty skin. If I had been naming the body parts of toads way back when they were named. I wouldn't have called them warts because warts on humans are actually caused by a virus, and this is a normal thing for, for toads to have, a warty skin. Frogs tend to be um, smoother-skinned. Uh, they're prodigious leapers, whereas toads tend to hop. Frogs really leap into the water when you approach. They hang around water a little bit more than adult toads do. But other than that, they're actually very similar uh, Breathe, uh, breathe to a certain extent through their skin. Um, I know I lived in Texas as a child, and we saw horned frogs a lot. Is that are those uh, related as well? I think you're talking about. Did you call them horn, horn toads? Horn I guess. To yeah. yeah, those are actually lizards. Okay, they're reptiles. Uh, they used to sell them in pet stores. As a kid, I had a couple, and they all come to an unfortunate end. You can't keep them warm enough. You don't have enough space for them and they eat harvester ants you know how are you going to collect harvester ants to feed a horn <laughs> lizard but those are actually reptiles whereas t frogs and toads are amphibians okay um so uh, this time of year in mississippi weather getting a little bit warm well a lot warmer in in our case here for the last couple of weeks uh, but what might someone expect to hear from frogs uh, if they're out and about this time of year? Yes, back when I was on before, I think it was late February or early March, and we had the cool season frogs calling then. You couldn't step outside if you lived in a rural area or in the suburbs without hearing spring peepers. They're in every ditch, every depression that's full of rainwater, but now it's drier. So concentrated around ponds, you're likely to hear green tree frogs. Uh, I can't step outside at night right now without hearing them. Now, if this weather continues, you know, hot and dry for a week, 10 days, whatever, they'll taper off and you may step out and not hear them. But when we get one of those toad stranglers, which we hopefully will get at some point, step outside and it will be in a Neuron Tabernacle choir you're listening to. They, <laughs> it can be deafening. Uh, Libby was talking about where is it you go in there so loud? Oh, we, we were at um, Cypress Swamp on the Natchez Trace looking at the fireflies not long ago. And you heard the tree frogs were so loud, it was just almost deafening. Yeah. If you take the time in among the green tree frogs, you'll hear southern uh, cricket frogs calling. You may hear a green frog calling. There is actually a green frog as well as a green tree frog. You might even hear bullfrogs. It just depends on the pond and what happens to be there. But I can bet you'll hear uh, green tree frogs 
you step outside tonight. Find your, if you know if you don't live near a pond, find one nearby that you can listen. And if you search any time at all, you're probably going to see them as well. Yeah, this is one of the ones that comes around carports and porches and and lights at night. They're looking for insects that are attracted to the lights. It's the one you often see sometimes on the door facing, uh, and they're harmless. They're not gonna gonna hurt you in any way. And if they get in, you it's it's. It's good to help them out, though, because they're going to need some water. You don't want them to desiccate inside the house. Mine always, when they get in, end up with dust bunnies. I hate to admit this, but they have dust bunnies all over them. This is not good. And so I, ha- I keep a plastic cup handy and a little piece of plastic to slip under them when I do catch them and take them outside and put them in the bird bath so they can get that dust off. Uh, I think we actually have a recording of some green tree frogs, so our producer, Java, is going to play that for us. That's it. It's all about froggy winter courting. <laughs> it's the males calling for you know the females. Yeah, that's because it was the one was going eh, eh, and they was eh, 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 uh, so that's them. Is, was that one frog or were those calling back to each other? Some calling back and forth to each other. They have many territories around them when they're at the edge of the pond. They tend to be around the edge of the pond, sitting in the vegetation and whatnot. Calling for females. So were there any female? They don't. The, the female doesn't necessarily call back. Not. But. I don't think the green tree frog females call back, but they listen. Yeah, that's how, I think that they're they're just going to present themselves, but they're not going to call back. So right. those are all the males competing. And if I remember correctly from your previous visits, it's both saying, hey, I want to mate, but it isn't also saying this is my territory, other dudes back off? Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of that. And sometimes uh, a male will, is not calling. He sneaks in uh, and will grab a female that's in another male's territory. There's a bit of that going on. <laughs> that sounds like real trouble there. Yeah. <laughs> Just like humans. Yeah. <laughs> What's that term for putting human uh, behaviors to animals? Because I do that on the show all the time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure I should. But yeah, I shouldn't yeah. be anthropomorphic. But it's kind well, no, of, it's a lot of fun that it's way. A, it is a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got some open phone lines ready for your questions about frogs or pets or your uh, encounters with wildlife. Give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this. Southern Cricket Frog. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're talking about frogs today with our guest, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. We've got some open phone lines ready for your questions and comments. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So, um, Joe, how many frog species are there in Mississippi? 
we have 30, I would say, right, okay. at, right at 30 species. Uh, we, we added a couple of species in the last few years. The uh, uh, Mississippi gopher frog is now separated out as a full species. And then we have an introduced species, the uh, greenhouse frog, found in Jackson. And there may be a, even another one, uh, the upland chorus frog, one of those that calls when the weather's cool. has a real nice sound. Uh, has been split into two species, the upland chorus frog and the Cajun chorus frog, apparently found in western Mississippi. There's still some questions about exactly where it is found. So that's interesting. They just have done more research on the frogs and realized they're different enough to yes. be separated out? Yes. The, the frog was there all along. This <laughs> happens a lot. This happens a lot, especially with insects and even birds. It's known as having a cryptic species. It, at first glance, it just the whole population looks like one species. But when studies are done, you find out uh, they're reproductively isolated and are actually two species. So of the 30 species in Mississippi, are most of them in all parts of the state, or when you travel to different parts of the state, you're going to see different kind of frogs? I think most of them are found statewide, but some are not. There's, uh, For instance, I mentioned the Mississippi gopher frog. It's only found way down in south Mississippi. Uh, the southern uh, chorus frog is only found in South Mississippi. There's one called a pig frog. Sounds like a pig grunting, and it tends to be found in the southern counties. Then there's one found way up in northeast Mississippi, the uh, mountain chorus frog, found in Tishomingo State Park in, in the environs. But frogs like the green tree frog, the gray tree frog, the uh, leopard frog, those are found all over the state you know, where there's appropriate habitat. And then uh, talk about size of the, again, the ones we see here in Mississippi, maybe give, give an idea of a range of size. The uh, American bullfrog is our largest frog, I believe, and the next largest is probably the river frog, which is rare and not much known about in Mississippi. Our smallest frog is probably the, one of the cricket frogs. We have a, the southern cricket frog and the northern cricket frog, and they are both quite small. But the spring peeper is also quite small, uh, and less than an inch in length. So uh, that's the range. Your standard frog size is probably the size of a, of a uh, leopard frog, southern leopard frog, which is what? Three inches long, there, three to four inches long. Yeah, the leg. If you if you count the legs, oh, it's you're getting pretty big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With legs folded, yeah. Okay. Three inches. We have some callers on the line, so let's go to the phones, and we'll start off by visiting with uh, Jim, who's called in from Oxford. Good morning, Jim. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. I appreciate y'all's uh, show. It's very informative, uh, so thank, thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a question for Dr. Major. Okay. I've got, uh, we, we've got a 15-year-old beagle who uh, probably about three or four years ago just started licking everything in sight. doesn't ma matter the material, leather couch, uh, fabric, whatever. She just, I don't know why she does this. And we've yet to find a vet that could explain it. Uh, one of the most interesting comments we got from one vet when I'm retired Army, this is in Virginia, uh, said, well, she's having seizures. If that's the case, then she should be seizured out. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. We do see this uh, fairly often, in fact, in some younger dogs as well. And they'll look uh, like the uh, hearth or the fireplace or concrete, wherever they can lick it they may lick uh things like uh bedspread and things also 
Uh, if you've had a pretty thorough workup, there may not be a thing that can be done or can be diagnosed. Uh, does she pant a lot? No, pant? not really. She, so she's, yeah, she'll just lay, she'll just lay down and just start licking whatever's in front of her. And she's in pretty good condition. She's not terribly overweight or anything. No, uh, yes, we've kept her in pretty good shape. Okay. Like I said, uh, she's fifteen, and really, this started maybe three to four years ago. Does she salivate excessively when she's doing this? No. Okay. No. Well, yeah. I'll put something in front of her and get her attention, and she'll stop. But okay. otherwise, she'll just continue to do right. it. I would have to say that I cannot give you any better <laughs> advice than uh, other vets have. If you've had blood work done, just routine checking her up, uh, probably she's uh, nothing seriously wrong. Uh, there are different conditions, and you can start looking at all of them and and probably not find anything much. Uh, but if her blood work is normal, she's not anemic, uh, that would probably be that uh, we're not going to have a solution to what's going on. But as long as she's happy, uh, I, I would say more power to her. <laughs> <laughs> as long as she's getting her food and her nose is working, she's good. There you go. Yeah, Take care. Thank you. Thanks for your Appreciate question. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim, for the call and the kind words. Let's uh, move on next. We've got uh, Amy, who's in North Mississippi and has called in today. Amy, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I am a teacher of um, younger students, and I actually have children that are younger. And this is a question that they came up with about frogs. And the question is, how long does it take from the egg that the frog lays until it becomes an adult frog. How long of time, what time span do you have there? It varies a little bit with the species and also with the conditions. Some are able to bring it off pretty fast, but they really need six to eight weeks. That means the water needs to be there for six to eight weeks. If it dries up, it can be the curtains for the tadpoles. Uh, there's a species of frog that occurs in Mississippi and and much of the country called the eastern spadefoot toad and they only they spend a lot of time underground but when we have torrential rains you know like one to two inches of rain in a thunderstorm when the weather's warm they come up and breed and lay their eggs in rain pools and sometimes those pools dry up within two to three weeks and they need at least that much time probably a month so it varies with the species and, and now uh, bullfrogs good. can take a whole year. Or two years even. Uh, they will go through the winter as a tadpole. But you know those, uh, I was talking about spring peepers and the upland course frogs a little while ago. Presumably now those are have metamorphosed into young adult, little froglets uh, by now because the water where they were in many cases it has dried up. Uh, it would be an interesting thing for you to maybe pinch off just a few eggs sometime and put them in an aquarium and, and see how long it takes. Ah, very good. Thank you so much. You're right. welcome. Good to hear from you, Amy. So is it egg, tadpole, frog? Is that the, the yes, progression? that's right, yeah. Okay. Uh, another caller on the line. We're going to Dudley in Calhoun County. Good morning, Dudley. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. And you know how much I enjoy the show. Now, I wanted to share with you... I have glass doors that open out onto the deck, and this frog, I assume it's a tree frog, will come, will 
with the suction cups obviously sticks itself to the door and feeds off of all the bugs that come in. He has been doing this for about, or she has been doing this for about three years. Uh, is this a natural thing for the frog to do? Yes, it's very natural. Uh, it's taking advantage of the situation. You have lights on in that room right at night, and yes. that attracts the insects, and the insects attract the tree frog. And that it has to be a tree frog if it's got suction cups on its toes. <laughs> could be a green tree frog or it could be a squirrel tree frog uh, or even a couple of others. But those are the most likely possibilities. And, yeah, there's nothing abnormal about what it's doing. It wants something to eat, and it's found, it's found easy pickings on your, <laughs> on your glass door. Well, it's certainly entertaining for me, too. And, again, I really do enjoy your show very much. Oh, right. you. you might try photographing that frog. Oh, I've already done that. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of, of course. <laughs> Also, Dudley, if you'll send us a picture, we can tell you which tree frog it is. Yeah. Also, okay. if you if you have inside cats, they love to uh, communicate <laughs> with that frog. Uh, yes, as he's, yes, they he's do. And I know from I hate to say this, but I know from past experience, tree frogs are not toxic to cats. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I don't have a cat, but good for um, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. I enjoyed yeah, it so yes, much. Right. Yes, sir. Good to hear from you, Dudley. Thanks for the call. We've got some open phone lines ready for your call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We're visiting today with the wildlife biologist, Joe McGee, who is our resident frog expert. Uh, so frog questions are good. Dr. Major here, ready for some pet questions. And as always, if you've ever had an encounter with any kind of wildlife, we'd love to hear uh, your stories. So again, it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 So, um, Joe, as you mentioned, obviously, that frogs need to be at water. And as the summer wears on and it gets warmer and hotter and maybe drier, are there some things that the frogs can do to to stay uh, hydrated, wet, that they need to be? The, the frogs, the so-called true frogs, will hang around water, will hang around a pond or some body of water. The toads like to find uh, a moist situation, and like under your house, if they can get under the house where it maybe stays a little bit damp or in a basement or a cellar or some really shady area where there's lots of leaf litter that stays moist. Those spadefoot toads I mentioned burrow into the ground. But, yeah, they need to stay. They don't need to desiccate. They need to stay in a moist area because part of their respiration takes place through the skin. I have an old skillet out back at my house for the birds. A little, some birds like to drink water on the ground. And not infrequently this time of year I'll find a toad in that, uh, uh, in that skillet of water taking a, a bath. And it's my understanding they absorb water through a patch on their belly. So they're getting a drink of water as well as cooling off. Uh, another caller on the line. Uh, it's Kathleen from Osaka has called in today. Good morning, Kathleen. I guess I'm important today. I've got an answer for the lady about how long does it take for a frog to grow. Um, we have given my frog a name, Jeremiah, two little girls that come here sometimes. They named them. And uh, yeah, I think it's a her, though. And uh, it's a leopard frog. I identified it from your tips a week or so ago, and it's got the long, long fingers, or, and it looks like it does have the claw that come where they dig. And she has stayed in the water trough from a tadpole 
and she grew up there. She is a full-grown frog. She's still there. And when we came in yesterday, I didn't see her. And I'm talking to the frog again. And don't you know she came up? I had put a vine, a grape leaf vine, in the, the trough, and she sat on one of them like a lily pad. And the little girls were so tickled. I can't believe it. But the, this show is so unique, and I love it so much. And it means more to the children coming up. And I'm glad I, I, I kept the frog, and she's she's doing fine. But it's it's a whole year she's been right there. Thank right. you, Kathleen. That's a great story. Uh, always good to hear from you, Kathleen. Thanks. But I would say that if the frog is named Jeremiah, I would have thought it would have been a bullfrog because <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Okay. Try photographing that one, too. <laughs> They're good subjects for photographs, yes, I think. Yes. Uh, another caller on the line. So we're off to Bay St. Louis we go. Adam has called in today. Good morning, Adam. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Enjoying your show. Um, yeah, I've got a quick question about uh, the threatened species of uh, frogs and toads that we have in Mississippi, and then also some of the uh, environmental concerns that may be contributing to some of their uh, demise. So if, uh, if y'all have any uh, uh, thoughts on that, I'll, I'll gladly listen. Thanks. There's one species of frog, I mentioned it earlier, that is endangered, highly endangered, uh, and that's the Mississippi gopher frog. Uh it has, and it's only found in way down there in South Mississippi. Not over. You're in Hancock County, right? No, it's it's found in uh, Harrison County, mainly in DeSoto National Forest. They probably used to be in Hancock. Yeah, and, and they probably used to be in. Ja- in fact, yeah. supposedly maybe now they are back over in uh, Jackson County. So things are looking up a little bit for them. But it has a very unique uh, requirement. In fact, all frogs have this, but this one especially has it. It's one of those cool weather frogs. They breed when the weather is cool, and they uh, need a a pool of water or a pond that dries up occasionally. That's called an ephemeral pond. And the reason they need that, of course, frogs need water, right? But if it dries up, it's not going to have any fish. It's not going to have any fish, and it probably won't have any dragonflies for a while. Dragonflies, part of their life cycle is in the water, and they are predators. You know, dragonflies are carnivorous insects, or predators, and they'll eat little tadpoles. So this frog needs a pond that is dry from time to time, and actually, it needs a pond that burns from time to time too. It's actually a fire-dependent species. It's amazing that a frog would need fire. Obviously, the frog itself doesn't want to be in the fire. But the fire will clean out that pond when it's dry, mm-hmm. and that makes better habitat for the frog. All right. So the Mississippi gopher frog, that's our m- main uh, endangered species in Mississippi, a frog. Adam, thanks for your call. It is time for another break on Creature Comforts. Uh, when we get back, we'll continue our discussion with our guest wildlife biologist, Joe McGee. Frogs a subject today on Creature Comforts. Still looking for your input with a phone call. The number is one mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. Mountain Chorus Frog.
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with our guest wildlife biologist, Joe McGee, who is our resident frog expert. So if you have a question about frogs, or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, or if you'd like to uh, tell about an encounter with wildlife, you can call in at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org Back to the phone lines we go Tippy's called in from Jackson this morning You're on the air Tippy, go ahead please Good morning, how are y'all? Good. Doing good. good Libby, I've got a bluebird question for you Okay For the first time in 40 years, bluebirds have occupied the houses we put in the backyard Previously we had great crested flycatchers, but this year we have bluebirds we had to completely cover up the patio windows and door because they kept coming up to the windows seeing their reflection. Yeah. Now, they started in one house, and now they've moved to another. So should I open the house and see if they've got eggs? And that won't disturb them, I think. But then my other problem is I need to have some trees removed in the backyard, and I'm putting my tree guy off because I don't want to bother the bluebirds. Um, yeah, you don't want to do probably a lot of disturbance. Depends on yeah. how long he's going to be in there. I would, all right, they, they, they were in one box and they left it and went to the other one. I would look primarily, too, you want to know what discouraged them so that it may be that you've got something going on in there. You may have big wasps. You know, I've always been told that bluebirds can take care of wasps and get them out of a house, but um, then I've had other people say they'll avoid the wasp when it, if they have another house. So I would check carefully when you open it in I, case you've got wasps. I have had a similar problem with bluebirds this year. I have a bluebird house well back behind my house so no cat can get near it. Right. And uh, early in the spring, they built a nest. I was thrilled here comes the nest. I was waiting. Every now and then I'll take a peek. I don't want to look too often. Kept waiting for the eggs. No eggs ever appeared. Weeks went by. Weeks went by. And I finally I thought I'll take the nest out because... Now they'll have to start all over. It may be another pair of bluebirds, but or even if it's the same one, they're going to build another nest. I take the nest out, and there were ants under the nest. Mm. They weren't in the nest, but they were under it. I don't know if the ants had something to do with the birds not showing back up. I just, I really don't know. But so then the box was empty except for these ants. The ants would not leave. And so a few days ago, I took a kettle of scalding water up and doused the bluebird house with boiling water. And I looked yesterday, and there were no ants in there, no bluebirds either. But uh, you, it might be insects causing the problem. I don't know. Okay. See, That's yeah, it would be worth you knowing what's going on with it. There could be some problem in there. And good luck with your bluebirds. It, it could be another yeah, I'm really one. I'm excited to have them. And, you know, they all adapt uh, pretty well. I, one particular bluebird house that I've had uh, actually had bumblebees that set up in there. And uh, then they were gone, finally, and uh, a little chickadee nested and had babies in there this year. The other problem I've had is squirrels, and they will predate or actually uh, get the eggs or babies. And uh, 
Yeah, I had flying squirrels in there one year. Right. No birds, but flying squirrels. Right. So there's all kind of things out there that can happen, but uh, good luck to you. There's yeah, a I'll, peek. I'll open the, the house and peek and see what's in there and, and see if they're still there. Thank yeah, maybe, you. maybe somebody else will want it before the season's yeah. over. Yeah, there's a housing shortage. But speaking of the bumblebees, <laughs> I have bumblebees now in a Carolina wren nest on my back porch. Uh so, yeah, all kind of things happen. There's a housing shortage for the cavity nesters. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the bluebird house that the squirrels got in, they actually chewed the protector. They say they have protection against uh, either a larger bird or the squirrels, but the, it actually chewed it around where they could get in there. They've got good teeth. Yeah. All right, uh, Tippy. thanks for your call. Good to hear from you this morning. Uh, Libby, you had something you want to mention? Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of events going on. One tomorrow at the Natural Science Museum in association with the Ripley's Believe It or Not exhibit. And it is a fun Friday about magic from 10 to 12 tomorrow. That's June the 8th. And then next Thursday is Curiosity Day, and there'll be a falconer there to talk about falconry. So that's something that you probably want to see. June the 13th, that's Wednesday from 1.30 to 3.30. I'm going to try to be there for that one. And then the fun Fridays are going to go on, of course, for a while until school starts again. And the next one, if you miss this Friday, next Friday is about dinosaurs. So the Fridays are from 10 to 12 each week. And the curiosity days are just kind of spread around, and they're in the afternoons, one thirty to three. So okay. And does the website have an events calendar? Do you know? Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. So go. that would be something uh, if you're looking for uh, parents looking for things to do for your kids during the summertime. That would be a great resource. Check up and see uh, what's coming up at the museum, and uh, always some interesting things going on there. Fun ways for to get your kids to learn, and again during the summer. You know, they always want to keep them engaged so that they don't lose too much of what they learn during the school year, and that would be a great way to do it. And again, I've, I've always said it's great for the kids too, but uh, I think any adult that tags along will have a good time as well. Back to the phone lines we go. Next, we're off to Hattiesburg. Jack's on the line. Good morning, Jack. Go ahead, please. Uh, yes, uh, good morning, and thank you for uh, having me on and for having your guest. Um, my question regarding uh, frogs. Uh, I've lived here. We've lived in Hattiesburg 11 years. Uh, we have a swimming pool in ground every year right around, uh, what is it, uh, mid-May. We have uh, <clears throat> about two weeks in which uh, leopard frogs uh, will uh, take over the pool every night, every morning. We pull out anywhere from, anywhere from six to even 18 frogs uh, oh. in the morning little um, lizard frogs, and uh, we take them out and so forth. But <clears throat> this last year, with, uh, uh, with this cold winter we had, what we observed is, in total for that whole period, we only pulled out six frogs total, something that we'd only, we normally would have, um, you know, pull out on, on a slow day. But, yeah, so we noticed that the, it seems as if the frog population decline do you, do you think it was because of the cold blast that affected them and i'll kick back and listen to anything you have to say all right thanks for the call jack it could have been uh leopard frogs you mentioned finding leopard frogs in your pool they are one of the cool weather frogs although they can breed any month in mississippi following a big rain event but they're mainly a cool weather frog but it can be too cold for cool weather frogs you don't hear 
spring peepers and upland chorus frogs and leopard frogs if the temperature is going to go down in the low 30s and 20s or anything below that. They hunker down in the mud somewhere, uh, and it was really cold uh, in March. We, it, there were more frogs calling in February, and then March was kind of cold this year. So it may well have been uh, something wrong, uh, you know, too cold for them. Uh, hard to be sure. But remember, populations of, of almost everything come and go. They 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 reach a peak and then they drop off. Some years you won't see any at all. I don't have a pond near where I live that has leopard frogs, but every now and then I see leopard frogs in the grass in my yard. Uh, it hadn't happened now in a couple of years. I'm hoping it'll happen this year. Uh, they're on the move from one pond to another or something. So things you know come and go. Populations rise and fall. So that may be just an explanation for it. Okay. <clears throat> Next, we're off to Terry. Brian's on the line. Good morning. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. I've got a question about a, a frog habitat. Uh, live on about a, a eight-acre lake, and I, got, I share it with some neighbors. They all cut their grass all the way down to the, the water line. Uh, and I'm wondering how that would affect frog habitat whether or not it's going to uh, uh, encourage snakes to to uh, uh, be more active in the areas that that, that aren't cut. Uh, it, w- it could affect the frog. Frogs like uh, a perimeter of vegetation around the pond or the lake or the body of water they, they live in or they live around. They don't occur way out in the middle of the pond. They tend to hang around the edges in the shallows. That way they don't, there's fewer fish up that way for one thing, but it's a place to hide. Remember one thing that habitat has to provide is cover or shelter, and they take shelter in the uh, in the vegetation that grows around a pond. If your neighbors are cutting right down to the water level, they're not likely to have frogs or as many frogs as you do. And, of course, the snakes are attracted, some snakes, not all, but some snakes are attracted to frogs. They will feed on them. And they like the same kind of habitat that frogs like often. So uh, if you've got frogs, you may have snakes. But that's not the end of the world, in my view, anyway. You'll have a lot more interesting yard, and the birds will be over there eating, too. A lot of the deal is because you've got the insects. They're going to be in the tall vegetation. That's right. And you can make it pretty. You can have um, Louisiana iris in there. Cattails, maybe. Uh, And button bush is a really good plant for frogs. One of our frogs has the most beautiful sound, I think, is a bird-voiced tree frog and they like to get up in the button bush when they sing at night uh, and button bush likes to grow you know, it likes wet feed it'll grow in uh, standing water okay. so uh, that's a plant you might consider having all right brian thanks for your call let's take one final break this hour we've got some callers on the line to get to when we get back but we have time and space for your call as well the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Back to wrap up Creature Comforts after this. Spring Peeper. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Highfield, retired director 
of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with wildlife biologist Joe McGee, and he is our resident frog expert for the program. So if you have a frog question, a pet question, or brush with wildlife, give us a call. Still some time left to get your phone call in before the end of the hour. Again, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Back to the phone lines we go. Starting again in Jackson, Angel's called in today. Good morning, Angel. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. Um, Mr. McGee, I wanted to know, I was at a, I guess it's a Chinese food market on I-55 Frontage Road in Jackson, Mississippi, and I was shopping in the store, and of course they have all kind of meats and things that are in the freezer, but when I went to the back, to the meat section, they had frogs in an aquarium, and I wanted to know, are these edible, or why are they back there? Yeah, you can eat frog. frog. One can eat frog legs. <clears throat> frog legs are, From yeah. bullfrogs, mainly. Those, they're big enough to eat, uh, and I presume those were bullfrogs. I don't, do you know if they were, were they large frogs? Oh, they were ro- really large, and they were they were peeping. I mean, they were frogging. <laughs> yeah. They were alive. Yeah, those were probably bullfrogs, and I, I assume they're in compliance with wildlife laws. And there are farms that raise bullfrogs for food. It used to be, I think, a more popular thing. Have, I have you ever eaten any? I have I, eaten them, and they're good. I have <laughs> eaten them once. I don't want to eat them again. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think I would now. But yeah. there was a famous... Uh, Frog dinner back a year and a half ago, uh, President Trump and uh, Romney had frog legs for dinner. Remember when they had that meeting? Mm. Uh, and I presume those were bullfrog legs. Pretty, pretty much like chicken. <laughs> isn't, isn't everything. That's what we all say, yeah. yeah. You know, a, a lot of the fish houses, have I guess them. I'm old, yeah, but they, they used to have frog legs. I don't know that they do very often. I now, ate frog legs in Florida once, and... That's when I was really adventuresome. I, my, I'm not nearly so adventuresome anymore. <laughs> Max Fish Camp used to have them in Hattiesburg, so yeah. I, that was, I had them a few times there, actually. Right. They were good. Angel, thanks for your call. I did a quick uh, Google search. Uh, this article uh, says that records show that frog legs were a common foodstuff in southern China as early as the first century A.D. The Aztecs, too, are known to have been partial to them. Uh, but they fail to get the least mention in the extensive gastronomic literature left by the Romans and do not crop at all in European accounts until the 12th century when they appear rather oddly in the annals of the Catholic Church. During one of those all-too-frequent periods when monks were deemed to be growing too fat, the church authorities apparently ordered them not to eat meat on a certain number of days a year. Cunningly, the monks got frogs qualified as fish, which didn't count as meat, so they were able to eat them. So. <laughs> and speaking of Europe, there is a frog in Europe called the edible frog. Uh, What does that tell you? (laughs) Yeah, obviously somebody was taking advantage of that. But, uh, yeah, I think Dr. Major said it best when he said they taste like chicken. So uh, (laughs) Uh, let's continue on. We've got next uh, Brenda in Moss Point. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. My question is we bought some property that's in Jackson County, and we have a a low-wet corner, but our backyard in the past month or two is just absolutely saturated with these little mounds of dirt that have holes and we can't imagine what is digging up 
and making those. There's just hundreds and hundreds of them. I think Are you, those frogs? I don't think they're frogs. I think you have crawfish. Or crayfish, if you yes, prefer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have those in my yard, in my front yard, and I, I don't mind. I, it, uh, they've dried up now. They're real hard where I, because uh-huh. we haven't had rain in a few days, and it's something to mow around. I don't like to hit them with the lawnmower. But the, well, I, I'm, my, yeah, my husband is like, do I run over them? There are just hundreds of them. I'm pretty and, uh, sure it's some species of crayfish. It, it okay. won't hurt the crayfish to run over them because no. they'll go down deeper. We call them okay. castles, crawfish castles. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we stuck a water hose down in one, and it ran for five minutes and never filled up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we thought, yeah. is it just saturated with like a like a hive of some sort underneath the ground? <clears throat> yeah, they, connected? they dig down deep enough that they find moisture. So they're, oh, it's an extensive... Wow channel down in there can you live okay. with it is it something yes you can? we can we yeah. love the wildlife out there yeah. well That's, if you we won't worry about yeah, it and if you have grandkids you know you can do that oh stick a piece of of meat a piece of bacon or something on a string and drop it down in there and sometimes you can catch a crawfish we'll try that thank you okay. so much thanks for your call uh let's get one final call it's a caller from byram has a kitten question go ahead you're on the air uh, yes, thank you. Uh, a question for Dr. Majors. My mother has uh, a, a litter of six kittens. They are five weeks old today, and we yesterday started them on the kitty um, chow, and they're eating fairly well. But my question is, uh, explain the weaning process, and when can the kittens be safely separated from the mother? Good questions. Uh, as far as the kittens are concerned, it sounds like they're starting to eat uh, food, solid food, which is good. I have seen uh, kittens that were six months old still nursing the mother, and that's not a good thing, actually. So I would say after they're eating good, usually somewhere around seven weeks of age, uh, you can safely separate them and uh, place the kittens, uh, this sort of thing. The mother may become engorged, uh, but usually that's temporary. By that, her, her breast may become engorged. Usually that's temporary, but I would say that's around seven weeks, between six and seven weeks. Once they're eating real good, you could go on and start to separate them. All okay. right. Thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. A couple minutes left in the show. Uh, we're visiting with wildlife biologist Joe McGee, talking about frogs. So, Joe, you mentioned insects, uh, that frogs do eat insects. Is is that their total diet, uh, or do they eat some other things as well? It's largely insects, or I might say invertebrates, for instance. Toads like to eat earthworms. Uh, they'll eat spiders. But some of the larger frogs are known to eat other frogs, and uh, even small snakes. There are snakes called earth snakes. that Those have been known to be consumed by large frogs. And, of course, the frogs themselves are eaten by a number of, they are food for a number of birds and snakes and a number of other animals. But, yeah, in, insects are one of the primary foods of uh, frogs. That's why they come to uh, windows at night. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, not Hollywood necessarily, but with the, that image of the frog shooting its tongue out to snag, do they actually do that? They do. The fr- uh, yes, they do. Uh, it happens really fast. You have to be quick, Kevin. <laughs> 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 
yeah. But the, uh -huh. And they will lunge. Some of them will actually lunge forward a bit when they do that. The tree frogs, you can see them at night lunge a little bit as well to catch the insect. And the toads are good at coming under a light at night. They, mm -hmm. they clean things up pretty yeah, well. They'll sit under a security light or a right. lamppost or that right. sort of thing and, and catch the insects that fly in. So got about 30 seconds left. So this time of year, uh, again, uh, they're looking for insects. So if you have a, a, an outside light on, uh, you're more than likely able to probably hear better than see the frogs because we... Well, they're not calling when they come to the lights to feed. They, they do that in darkness at you know dark ponds and other bodies of water. Uh, I don't hear them so much when they're feeding, although I do hear the uh, green tree frogs on the house, even sometimes late in the day. Uh, you know, the frogs are largely nocturnal, but even in the daytime, I occasionally hear a, a green tree frog. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app. Or you can also get the MPB Public Media app and listen to MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Joe McGee, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. That's followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And we'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts that's heard only on MPB Think Radio. Bullfrog.